So this is the question that we're going to be dealing with this week. Am I willing to forgive others? We've been walking with Jesus on, on this road and, and letting him ask questions of us. And we're up to this question of forgiveness. And the thing is, like Elizabeth mentioned earlier, that we're raising up the next generation of children. And that this is not just an individual parent or a family of origin thing. Guess what? This is an E3 thing. And this goes beyond the slogan of it takes a village. That might be true. But the spiritual reality that we live in is that we are all a family. The language in the Bible is that if you are a part of God's people, guess what? You are a family. So all these kids, they have an awful lot of aunts and uncles in the room. All right? And so when we're looking at these questions, we're talking about what does it mean to follow Jesus? We're also talking about this for, this, for the sake of our children. Uh, I've been reading a bunch of different things this, this spring, and one of the things I read was a, a, by a guy named Stanley Hauerwas, who was a theologian at Duke, and he talks about what it means to be a Christian. He, he, he shook me up this spring when I read this thought that Christianity is not just about things that we believe, but it is a way of life that we live. And some of us grew up in a faith tradition that is like, look, if you want to be, be a follower of Jesus, what you need to do is learn and believe all these things about Jesus. And what Hauerwas and other uh, theologians and scholars have realized is that actually Christianity involves teaching people, including children, especially children, how to live in a particular way. This week that involves forgiveness. So we're going to be doing that this week by looking through um, one of Jesus' most challenging parables. I want to tell you the good news about the parable is it's one of Jesus' Jesus's clearest. As a person who's, who reads the Bible a lot and studies a lot, sometimes I'll read a parable of Jesus and I'll get to the end and I'll be like, so what did you mean about this Jesus? Like sometimes his parables are, confused, are confusing and require a lot of thought. This is not one of those parables. But the bad news is he's really clear about what he's expecting. So we're going to jump in and just uh, look at the text. I'll make a few comments, and we'll talk about what forgiveness might look like in our lives. So Peter comes up to Jesus and asks, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times. I would like you to uh, just notice that word, someone. If you're reading the Bible, it might have an asterisk by it in your Bible. Jesus replies, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And you don't have to be good at math to read the Bible to just know that what Jesus is talking about here is a metaphor, essentially, for unlimited forgiveness. If you're like me, I would tend to do the math and work out what 70 times seven, anybody know what 70 times seven is? 490. If you're anything like me, I would have a chart of 490 lines. And the 491st time that a person did something to me, I'd be like, ha! <laughs> but that's not what Jesus is getting at. Jesus is not getting at an Excel spreadsheet with 490 lines on it. Jesus is trying to tell Peter, look, you just got to keep going. You just got to keep going. So then Jesus tells his, a story, which he, what he is known for. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants 
who had borrowed money from him. Now, in the story, who's, who's the king? God. In the process, one of his debtors was brought into him who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. Now, an interesting tidbit, uh, it, it helps to understand the way money is talked about in the first century. So your Bible may have translated this as minded into millions of dollars, but most of the time when Jesus is talking about money, he's talking about actually day wages, how much money you got in a day. And that's the way Jesus sets it up. And let me just kind of unpack what it is. It's not just millions of dollars. The man owes the master the equivalent of 60 million days worth of work. 60 million days worth of work. I'm not gonna do this math in my head. I worked it out ahead of time, which is over 164,000 years of work. Okay, that's the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Can this man repay this debt? Not unless the lifespan in the first century is a heck of a lot longer than it is now. 164,000 years? I don't think so. I think the man knows this. I think even in the face of his master, he's, he's trying to work a deal. He's trying to shave the truth. Give me some time, I can pay the debt back. Can he pay the debt back? No. So what's the master do? The master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. Notice, did the man ask for that? He asked for what? Give me time. The master says, I see what you're asking me. Let me raise that a little bit. How about we just take care of the debt? How about this? I know you can't pay the debt. I even know that you're kind of messing with the truth when you claim that you can pay the debt. So how about this? Let's just make the debt forgiven. So the guy asks for this, and the master, I think, gives him this. Way, way beyond what the man expects. Right? And if the parable ended there, we would all say amen and we would go and we would have our lunch and it'd be awesome, right? Except it does not. But <laughs> when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Math again, it, it comes up to one six hundred thousandth of the amount that he owed the master. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it. Does that sound familiar? But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested 
and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset, and they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry man sent, or the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Then Jesus, in case you needed more, Jesus says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Now, before we go on, uh, just a note, just a reminder. We're dealing here with a parable. A parable is not literal. A parable is not even a metaphor. A parable is meant to exaggerate, to wake us up, to shake us up to the nature of what Jesus is trying to tell you. So I say that. We cannot rush to the conclusion that God is an angry king. The point that Jesus is trying to drive home is that you cannot be a person who claims to have been forgiven and not pass that forgiveness on to somebody else. Jesus is trying to say, how you treat other people, especially in the, in the manner of forgiveness and offense, is equally important as to claiming your status as a forgiven person. And if something breaks down in that, I think what Jesus is trying to tell you, and I want to be very careful here, but I think it's faithful to the text that say, if you're a person who refuses to forgive others, Jesus would question your allegiance to the king because he says they're linked. Okay. One of the ways that he reinforces this is actually in verse 21. He actually takes it up a notch. We're going to go back then because Peter comes up to Jesus and I said, notice, uh, Lord, how often should I forgive what the new living says? Someone. It's actually not entirely faithful to the translation. More accurately is the Greek word adelphos, which we translate to brothers and sisters. How often should I forgive a brother and a sister who sins against me? In, in, in gospel language, this means what Jesus is actually talking about, what Peter's actually talking about, what Matthew is talking about, is forgiveness inside the church. So, I think sometimes uh, forgiveness for the people that we stumble across in our work who would claim to not have anything to do with, with Jesus or the church, they're easier for us to forgive sometimes than the people that we spend our life with in this building or with our growth groups. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So understand the context is that Jesus is like, okay, we'll deal with the outside world later, but right now we're going to talk about those crazy people that you do life with. The people that are in your growth group, the people that have posted things on your Facebook feed, they go to a different church, they're your brother and sister, but you're like, oh, they get me. They work that last nerve. And you know that I like to say this, if you don't have any per anybody in your life, guess what? You're probably that person in somebody else's life. We all have them, do we not? And Jesus says, 
Every person, especially in the church, deserves your forgiveness over and over and over again. And this speaks to, I think, something that goes on in the church. How many of you guys, if you were to ask some, of, some people who maybe don't go to church, would they say that God's church is marked by radical forgiveness? Or is it marked a little bit more by infighting and bickering and backstabbing? See, we have a PR problem. And it's really related to the way we treat each other. And it should not be that way. So, if we can all just kind of get to the point where we can say, look, you know what? I have a problem with forgiveness. I have had a problem with forgiveness. I anticipate having a problem with forgiveness. Jesus requires it. How do we do it? I just want to spend a couple moments giving you a, a pattern, a, a methodology of forgiveness, if I could. So it starts really uh, with just the idea of naming the offense. Name it. Identify it. Something was done to me by this person. And some of us right now, we already have a problem. Uh, I have people in my life, and I sometimes have this tendency, I don't like to acknowledge pain. I would prefer to just kind of float by it. Because conflict causes me anxiety sometimes. So sometimes I have to pause and go, you know what, actually, something was done to me. Somebody meant me harm, and I felt it. And I have to let that resonate in my soul, and I have to feel this, the, the hurt that I don't always like to feel. So if you feel God nudging you here, one of the great tools is just uh, some processing time when you can be alone, maybe with a journal, and just write about it. Or you invite somebody else into it, a friend, a growth group leader, a pastor, say, can I just talk about something that happened to me and let the pain hit you? Because you can't get move forward in forgiveness if you can't acknowledge that I hurt because of this. Second thing is to uh, look at the cross. I mean, what was the great error in the guy in the parable? He, he didn't realize, he forgot how much he was forgiven, Right? And so as we move into the process of forgiveness, sometimes we want to go from something was done to me and where is where's the, the spiritual wallop that I can bring to this person and we forget that we were actually forgiven an awful lot as well. We have to do this with humility. We have to do this with, uh, I am not perfect. The third thing is uh, release it. We have to release it. We have to stop the tape that plays inside our head. Oh, I remember when the person did this. I remember when this happened, and then your, your emotions get triggered. This is the part where it really gets challenging because we have to choose to stop that tape from playing. And we have to go, you know what? That tape's not going to play anymore. I forgive this person. And you have, to you have to acknowledge the fact that your emotions may lag behind your brain. The first time you may do this, it might be with clenched fists and gritted teeth. I forgive that person. Oh. That's a start. Because the fourth step is to remember that it's a process. The, 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 kind of sometimes the bummer thing about forgiveness is it doesn't happen just once. I remember the first time I had to go through a process of forgiveness, and I was like, I, you know, I was at step three, and I was like, 
I forgive this person and I got through it. And then like I thought about it again like a week later and I was just as angry. And I was like, did I get it wrong? Does this not work? Well, the thing about it is, is actually for a lot of us, it doesn't happen just once. We have to go through it again. But here's the hope. The more you go through it, the next time that that tape plays, that emotional level is notched down just a little bit. And then the next time it happens, it's a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less. The fifth step, pray for the person. Oh, man. And let me be clear, this is not God. I please pray that that person would realize the error of their ways. I pray that you would bring insight and enlightenment or that you would just have them, I don't know, twist their ankle or, you know, do some. No, no. This is prayer for their good. And we do this again. It starts with the cross. Because we follow this guy, Jesus, who when he was hanging on the cross, he looked out at the people who wronged him and said what? Forgive them. Father, they don't want know what they're doing. So don't think that we have the right to pray that a lightning bolt comes down from heaven on one of our perpetrators when our Messiah prayed for their forgiveness. And then as you go on, you're able to pray more and more for their good. And actually what you find, actually, is you find compassion and love welling up in your heart. Even if you can't ever, like, um, you may never acknowledge this person as, like, your best buddy. But you can acknowledge the fact that God loves them as much as he loves you. And he is, that person is just as much deserving as God's grace as you are. So that's the process of forgiveness. And we have to be a people marked by it. We don't have the choice, according to Jesus, to say, I'll take, I'll take the forgiveness you offer me, God. I don't care about anybody else. You know, the thing about discipleship and following Jesus is that, uh, here's the deal. He loves us infinitely, but he does ask a lot of us. But then the thing after that is, I believe he asks a lot of us because he knows it's the best way for us to live. And for most of us, when we are able to forgive somebody, I found it to be true that when you forgive somebody, you release somebody from prison. And you know who the person is that you release? It's yourself. Because you're able to live in the freedom and the compassion that God has designed for you. And again, it all starts with knowing who this God is. It, start by put, it starts by putting yourself in the position of the guy in the, in the story that um, we, he comes to us and we go, oh my gosh, I have an unpayable debt. I have an unpayable debt. I was, uh, and I'm talking about Eric here, I was given some brokenness and some flaws that I did not ask for in this life, but I did a pretty good job of cultivating them over my years. And so I stand before this God, and I'm like, I'm crooked. I'm broken. 
And then I even try to fudge the truth with God and say, God, just give me time to pay it back. Just let me fix myself, God. And God says, no, Eric, that, that's not necessary. How about we just forgive the debt? How about we just take it away? That's who we all are. So we're going to sing a song uh, just as we see off this time that just does a little bit of a good job of giving us an opportunity to say, you know what? <laughs> Great is our God. Great is the Lord that forgives all of our debts. Even when we ask somewhat insincere, insincerely for, for God, just give me the time to fix myself. He says, let me see that and raise you. The forgiveness and the erasing of the debt. Amen.